Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus the Hurricane, who would win? Dicker, Dicker. Dicker. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Happy Halloween. Is Ryan Poles tricking or treating the <laughs> NFL right now? How many times have you listened to the Monster Mash today already, Adam Hog? Me? Zero percent. Really? Oh, I love that song. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't hate it. I just don't wake up to it. It's Halloween. It should be the first song you play today. Like you have like your Halloween alarm set to that song? No. So okay. you're making the kids' lunches, get the mood set. Could be a busy day for the Bears. Okay. Well, yeah, it could be. Um, as I was sitting up late last night, um, not listening to the Monster Mash, but working, uh, saw the tweet. From Jeremy Fowler, confirmed later by a guy named Adam Johns. That Jalen Johnson has officially requested a trade here before this trade deadline. And um, we got to talk about this. Now, a couple things here. Um, we have Dane Brugler joining the podcast today. And uh, we are live on YouTube. So please hit that like button. Please hit subscribe. We appreciate you guys very, very much. Um, and Dane was pre-scheduled and is still going to join us to talk about some draft stuff and honestly how some of that could affect the trade deadline as well. We just we're about six months out from the draft, so that was a, a good time to bring him in and talk about some of these variables because I think the Bears draft picks, uh, high draft picks, it's looking like could have some impact on decisions that are even made today. Um, obviously, we got to talk about this Jalen Johnson stuff. There is a chance if you're not watching us live and you're listening to this later, some of this could be outdated. So we're going to work around it a little bit. We're going to try to keep it big picture so it still applies. But Johns, we're, what, six and a half hours from the trade deadline right now? How do you think this plays out? Like, there was part of me last week if you were part of that scrum with Jalen Johnson, I want to say it was Thursday, Thursday afternoon in Hallis Hall, his locker is right there, right there by the door at the locker room. If you were in that scrum, like I left it thinking, oh, this could, this could be headed in this direction. I didn't want to believe it because he has said repeatedly that he wants to be here. Ryan Poles is on record himself saying that he wants to retain Jalen Johnson. Uh, Ryan Poles, even before the game Sunday night, has said that he expected a rather quiet deadline. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing a lot yeah. right now. But 
my sense when I was leaving that scrum with Jalen Johnson, I'm like, oh, there was a little bit of different anger there. Not so much where Roquan Smith was by the time of his exit, but there was some frustration there that you could sense from Jalen Johnson's side that they weren't close to a deal. And this was just last week. This is just a few days before the deadline. Yeah. And, you know, if you're kind of following the timeline last week, yeah, there's a great game, right? Um, I think he had a couple of good games in a row, but he gets the interceptions against and a pick six against the Raiders, right? Goes on the score the following day and basically, you know, reveals to everyone that there's been some conversations and, you know, you would think, I think he said ramp up or yeah. his exact words. Yeah. And you'd think after a couple good games after he was hurt, that in his mind, he's probably thinking, all right, we're making some progress here. Like maybe we'll get this thing done. And then by the time he talks later in the week, right? Like obviously they're still far apart. So that's probably where that frustration came in. So some commenters are asking what a scrum is. Uh, it's a, uh, when all the media is gathered around an athlete, we call that a scrum. It's the players in the middle, all the cameras are there, all the recorders are there. It's called a media scrum for those asking in the comment section. So l- let me just read you something from Jalen Johnson. This is October 26th. Um, so last week, um, he was asked, what's important to you? Security. That's what it all this is. That's what we play the game for, security. At the end of the day, a lot of it goes back to respect as well. I repeat that one. At the end of the day, a lot of it goes back to respect as well. At the end of the day, it's not just about taking anything as well. You You can throw some numbers at somebody and just hope they take anything, but that's not what I'm looking to do. I'm looking for respect and security at the end of the day. He was asked, so why are things moving slowly? Things are moving slowly because things haven't been done. Things aren't finalized. Just for me, just waiting to see where it goes on both ends. So I think one of the key lines here is I'm looking for respect and security at the end of the day. And that's the, like the, the line when I left that that scrum where I'm like, oh, that was a little bit of a Roquan Smith-like frustration there from Jalen Johnson. And this was only four days before, four or five days before now. Look. For tracking how Ryan Poles has handled this stuff, and it applies to free agency too, we learned even more about that. I think in March, um, with some of the guys that they targeted that they ended up not signing, um, I think Javon Hargrave was one of them. I think uh, Mike McGlinchey was one of them, and their team, a mixture of scouts and math analytics people are essentially coming up with a formula and assigning numbers what that they're willing to go to. And he's trying to stay very, very disciplined and stick to those and not reach beyond them. Now, I think this is worth discussing a little bit because I, I made this analogy on Sunday night on our postgame show on CHGO. Jots, by the way, nice job with fish on Sunday and the logistical stuff. Um, sorry, I wasn't able to join that show, but you guys did a nice job uh, from L.A. This feels a little money ballish to me, like to a, a certain extent. Like if you end up trading Roquan Smith 
Then you end up trading Jalen Johnson a year later. And you're just like, you're taking these homegrown players when it's time to pay them and not willing to go a little bit above and beyond whatever your numbers are projected to be for that player. And you're just kind of, you know, it's just, I don't know. It reminds me of the Oakland A's too much. Like, I think there's got to be just like a coach looks at his analytics, looks at everything they put on their charts before a game. There's got to be a gut feel in the moment at the same time that maybe even though your chart said not to go for this fourth and one, you've been watching this game. You feel like your offensive line's getting a push and things have changed since kickoff, right? Like, and I'm not saying polls and they're not adjusting to what they've seen the last few weeks with Jalen Johnson, but what about all the intangibles of how this affects the locker room? If you trade another one of these guys, we already have people on record as saying that that hurt them last year. Mandy Berflus yesterday talked about how that hurt the locker room. I thought Flus was very honest about that yesterday. Yeah, that that is. Um, if Jalen Johnson is traded, I don't think the Bears want to trade Jalen Johnson. By the way, like I want to put that on record. I don't think the Bears want to do this. I think they still want to try to find a way to retain him. This could be just part of the nego- negotiations. Right. This this is how, how it goes. Um, like when you were talking about Moneyball there for a second, I looked at like the best free agent cornerbacks coming out like for this year, the best 2024 free agents. And like right now, you're looking at a list that, that includes like Steven Nelson, Troy Hill, the Jerry Sneed. Very good player. Stephon Gilmore might be past his prime. Weatherspoon from the Rams like Jalen Johnson. If he hits the market in free agency in 2024, could be looking at quite the big deal. Yeah. It's a premium position. Cornerbacks always get their money in, in free agency. Always. Um there's a lot to get through in terms of like a negotiation that way, knowing what the market could be for your player postseason. And, and look, these sometimes reach a point where a player requests a trade and you say fine, not because you're actually going to trade them, but because you're basically saying, okay, go out and see what the market is right now. Because part of that, whenever, whenever a player essentially gets permission, when their agency gets permission to go talk to other teams, that's, you could translate to that. You can also talk about contract extensions, right? So if this type of trade is made today, to me, it's most likely coming along with at least the parameters of a long-term deal. Agreed. Not necessarily signed today, although it could be. Um, and as we're seeing a tweet from Jaquan Brisker with a facepalm, um, I'm sure reacting to this news at 821, he just tweeted that. Um, which speaks to the locker room impact of this. Uh, the point I'm trying to make there is it doesn't necessarily mean Jalen Johnson will be traded today, but it's could be just permission. All right, we're this far apart. Go see what you're worth. Come back to us. And, and honestly, it can help the Bears because the Bears can project the market all they want. But until you actually get negotiations going with other teams, you don't know what the market really is. Well, this... 
in a way, what, what did the Bears use with Kyle Fuller a few years ago to really gauge his market? The transition tag? Yeah. A tool for the Bears in the future here right. if if nothing comes to fruition today. I, again, I'm on record right now. It's 8, 8.43 in the morning. I don't think the Bears want to do this. I think they want to try to find a way to retain him. I do think... I don't know if... I don't know. There's, there's a lot to get through when requests are, are made like this, but I believe the Bears believe they're better off with Jalen Johnson on their roster. It's hard to other, you know, I don't see how you see otherwise, really. Yeah. Um, well, look, we'll uh, we'll kind of table this discussion a little bit. Um, obviously, if a move is made, we'll return and break it down even more, of course. Um, but we do have Dane Brugler joining us today on the podcast uh dane it's been too long hope you enjoyed your summer we're basically all of a sudden six months out from the draft it's like 176 days something crazy like that i i, I get anxiety just thinking about it being that <laughs> close but uh yeah no this is a it's a fun draft to be talking about with these quarterbacks at the top some of the quarterback intrigue uh, throughout the first round, who's going to come out, uh, who's going back to school. So I know the the Bears very much in that discussion as well with the two first-round picks. Well, what are they going to do this offseason at the quarterback position? So um, I imagine my my Twitter mentions, my, my talks with you guys, uh, it's going to get more frequent as we get closer to the draft. <laughs> um, Dan, what's the cornerback class look like? <laughs> Just keeping with... <laughs> Jalen Johnson's not going anywhere, so it doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I feel. You know how things go. But um, I wanted to ask you about. Well, let's go with the quarterbacks a little bit here. Um, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then JJ McCarthy, right? Like that's how you would rank them at, at this point. What are you seeing? How do you separate Williams from May in, in your analysis right now? So like. Updated top 50, which I, I did a top 50 in August, and I have not updated it since. Uh, I like to get you know two months worth of tape um, so we're not just reacting to every little play week in, week out. We have two months to go on before we make any updates, and uh, that comes out tomorrow on The Athletic, so people check that out. Um, uh, there might be a change at the top with these quarterbacks. Um, and I, I think with Drake May and Caleb Williams, there's going to be a lot of debate about these two guys. Um, you know, just how good are they really? What order should they come off the board? I, bottom line, I think both are really, really good prospects. And whether you get one or the other, I think you could feel really optimistic about what he's going to bring to your football team. Uh, with Drake May, look, I, Chicago fans, they got a good look at Justin Herbert Sunday night, right? Drake May cut from the same cloth. Good sized quarterback, great feet, big time arm. You love the command of the offense. And when you evaluate the quarterback position, you always want to see the full inventory of throws, right? So not every college quarterback can give you that. Drake may can. So you want to see the the deep out from the opposite hash. You want to see the bang eight. You want to you just any throw you want to see. It's cataloged for you on May's tape. And I think situationally as well, his ability to stand tall in the pocket, uh, negotiate the rush. Pick up yards with his legs. I become more and more impressed with May as the season goes on, and and I was very high on him coming into the year. Uh, he was, you know, it was the I think I the way I said it in the in the preseason was this is one A one B with Williams and May. The last two example or the last two games, uh, for example, uh, two losses for North Carolina. So I think the box score scouts will kind of look at it and say he's not getting the job done. 
the last two games might have been, you know, his two best games of the year when you study the tape and how well he's playing, the big time throws. Uh, the North Carolina defense is just is terrible. And so um, for Tar Heels fans, that's unfortunate. But for evaluators like me, it's it's kind of fun because you know May's going to get a chance to go right back out there and he's going to have to play from behind and he's going to let loose and he's going to put points on the board. So, um, you know, something else that I really like about May this year is the way he works with his receivers. His top two receivers from last year, they combined for 181 targets. They're both gone. But May's production has not dropped off. Uh, with this new group of receivers, including Tez Walker, who missed the first month of the season uh, with that eligibility dispute with the NCAA, uh, didn't make his North Carolina debut until October. But once he was on the field, you would think him and May have been playing together for for years. So his ability to sync up with receivers, uh, develop that timing, it, it's been really impressive. So when you look at May, not only does he have the physical traits that you want, the command of the offense, uh, the way he processes, uh, the way that you know Caleb May or excuse me, Caleb Williams gets a lot of credit for his creativity. Drake May has plenty of creativity as well. So uh, again, if you watch Justin Herbert Sunday night, I think you're getting a guy with May that's cut from that same cloth. So by the way, the uh, the updated rankings tomorrow on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, if you're not already a subscriber for some reason. And then also Dane and uh, Nate Tice are on the Prospect to Pros pod on The Athletic Football feed, which I've been listening to. And, and Nate obviously has been a big fan of of Drake May. Um, when it comes to Caleb Williams, what has he been struggling with here? Like, like what has been hurting him really the last month that maybe has opened your eyes a little bit to, or surprised you at all? Uh, first, I, I kind of want to say, let's, let's start a petition so we can just ban the word generational when, when we're discussing any <laughs> NFL prospect. All right. It just, it sets these impossible standards because, you know, even when the best, the best quarterbacks, everyone makes mistakes. Right. And so, when a player like Caleb Williams, when he makes a mistake, it just makes him such an easy target for criticism when he's been propped up as this generational prospect. And now, look, does he deserve blame for some of these negative plays? Absolutely. But again, with the bar set so high, he's being called overrated after a single mistake. And people are, are I think they're losing sight of what makes him uh, such a tremendous player. You know, his strengths as a player is above average arm natural feel for accuracy. It's very natural for him. Um, his ability to weaponize that creativity, it's something that does differentiate him uh, from most other quarterbacks. And so while he is great at navigating that chaos, he does hold the ball too long. Now, sometimes it's because he has to. Either the defense is getting immediate pressure with the front four or his receivers are not creating separation or the route concepts are just taking too long to uh, to unfold. But when that happens... Williams feels this need to put on the superhero cape and that's which can lead to negative plays. But again, sometimes it's because he has to. And, you know, I've used this example before, but, you know, there's a play on that Utah tape two weeks ago, second half, third and four. It's, it's four wide. The play is designed to go to a quick throw to the boundary slot uh, right at the sticks. And, you know, it, it's just easy first down, quick play. When the when the receiver runs the route, he goes three yards. He doesn't run the proper depth. And with Utah's zone hovering all around him, very little chance he's going to get an extra yard after that catch. Caleb sees this. He does a little hitch and doesn't throw it. In his mind, it's just not going to be a first down. By that time, the left tackle's already in his lap because the you know the, they're getting pressure with the front four. Um, and so he's got a little do a do a little dance, escape, evade, move the pocket. 
and he makes a ridiculous throw down the sideline, 15 yards, first down. Now, a lot of fans are looking at this and saying, you know, they just want to criticize him for not staying in the pocket, reading out the play. Uh, but I, Caleb made the right read. He, in his mind, he knew there was a better chance of converting the first down by using that creativity instead of making that three-yard pass and facing a fourth and one. So it, it's uh, w- with that Lincoln Riley offense with the personnel around him. It, it's it's a very it's a conversation that requires a lot of context, and that's true with any quarterback. But especially one with Caleb Williams, when the pet, he's such, on such a high pedestal when uh, talking about him as a prospect, a uh, potential number one overall pick. So now some of those interceptions in the Notre Dame game, absolutely on him. Decision making needs to be better. But again, I think a lot of it is he feels the need to put on that superhero cape. And that's part of what you love about Caleb Williams, because a lot of times he can make those plays. Sometimes uh, it, it backfires. And so. Uh, he, he leads the, the nation in fumbles uh, for quarterbacks with 12. Obviously, it's a, not a good number at all. Um, but he also leads in plays of 50-plus yards and 20-plus yards. I mean, he has a lot of explosive plays on his tape. And so even though USC is not playing very well, and just they almost got beat by Cal over the weekend, I, I mean, he had to score 50 points. Uh, he had to help the offense score 50 points. So it's uh, both these quarterbacks are not in the best situations in terms of they're not on national title teams, uh, the talent on defense on the rest of the offense, that that is not what they are built to be, but the quarterbacks are special. So both these guys deserve to be in that top three conversation. When we talk about uh, the, the NFL draft and how early they could go. Can we use the word generational though? To describe Marvin Harris. Marvin. Jr. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, look, it, it's it, the point still stands. It's tough when you you know use a word like that. It's, it's so loaded. But if there is a prospect in this draft that's deserving of that, it's probably Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, he's. I was in Columbus a few weeks ago to see him live, and just I, I went in with high expectations, and I was blown away. Um, he just moves differently. Uh, the dexterity of his body, um, the savvy that he can set up corners. So it's not like he's just beating everybody because of his physical traits. Um, you know, he has the understanding of how to play the position. It's a dance and, you know, he, the detailed, uh, way he approaches it. It's so impressive. Um, I mean, you talk to their coaches, they call him the best worker in the program. So, um, you know, the characters off the charts, um, he, he's a guy that at the catch point is really, really impressive. I mean, he looks like Spider-Man. So I, I just, you just keep checking every box and it's okay. What's this guy's comp? I mean, is he, because you don't want to, you want to be realistic, but it's so hard to talk about him without sounding hyperbolic. Uh, but he is, he is that special, and so I don't. He plays like a leaner version of Julio Jones. Like he's not at, he's not two hundred twenty five pounds. Um, but the the game just it slows down for him when the ball's in the air. It just everything looks like it's going very so, so much slower than some of these other receivers and. That's rare. I mean, we saw it with guys like Larry Fitzgerald and, you know, the, the best of the best. Marvin Harrison Jr. can do that. So um, I, I still think that the quarterbacks go one and two. Um, but I will be very surprised if the first three picks are not those two quarterbacks and then Marvin Harrison Jr. He's just a guy you don't pass on. I don't. Yeah, you, you could use a left tackle. Great. You don't pass on Marvin Harrison Jr. And I, I think whether it's the Bears or another team in that situation now, the opportunity to trade back, that's where it get, would get really interesting because you're trading away from a guy that you project as a pro bowler in as early as year one or two. Are you willing to trade back from that to pick up extra draft capital? I, that That's where things would get interesting, but that'd be a 
pretty good situation to be in. It's a win-win. Um, so a team like the Bears with those early picks, that that's something that could be a really, it could be a power position, no doubt. There was a play the other night in the Ohio State-Wisconsin game where he caught that touchdown along the, the sideline. And I was just like, there's no way he got the feed in. There's just like yeah. just watching the play live. And then you saw the replay and it was like, oh, he easily. I, I can't remember if he got two feet in or not, but the one foot right. definitely was like in easily. Like it wasn't even close. And I was just like, man, that's uh, it, to, to your point about it. Like just looking like it was in slow motion. Like that's how it it seemed to me. Like he just tracked, tracked that ball in the air. And quite frankly, he hasn't had the, best quarterback play this year no it's a shame we couldn't see cj stroud with him one more year you know just uh i you might be able to lock up the heisman if that were the case um but you know going back two weeks going against kalen king uh the penn state corner who shadowed him basically the entire game um a a good chance he's a first round pick he's a really talented player marvin harrison jr just shredded him over and over and over he got open at will um even when uh you know he was king was interfering with him and getting a penalty still making the catch so um he you wish you were a little bit bigger you know he looks like more like an aj green type of body type uh a little slender but he plays strong to the football he he plays powerful so um it's just if you want to poke holes in his game i you wish maybe he would break more tackles after the catch like he's he, he has some yak to him there's no doubt but he's not going to routinely make nfl uh defensive backs miss in space so if you're going to poke holes in him, that's probably it. But it's it's not a reason to uh, avoid drafting this guy. That's for sure. What does the uh, pass rusher class look like? Is there is there one that drives the conversation top five a, a little bit? I mean, where, where do you see this shaking out? I don't, I don't see one of those guys. I don't see a Will Anderson, um, you know, the Chase Youngs, the the Bosa brothers. I don't, I don't see you know Miles Garrett, nobody like that. But I, I think it's a, we're gonna see these pass rushers go in, in the first round because of the position they play, and because a lot of these guys are really talented. Dallas Turner from Alabama um, is it, it, the speed that he plays with off the edge is really impressive. He's a really good run defender, which is kind of surprising considering he's. 6'4", 250-ish pounds. He doesn't look very big, but explosive with his hands. He can get off contact, stack, shed, make a play. Um, I need to streamline his pass rush a little bit just to be more efficient, but he's got a lot of tools. I think he has a chance to be a top 10 pick. Um, Law 2 from UCLA uh, is, you know, it's kind of like in that Aiden Hutchinson uh, bucket where I don't think he's going to necessarily test off the charts with some of the, you know, he's got shorter arms, um, you know, the 40 is going to be, I think, average 40 yard dash, but just watch the film and you see him uh, win consistently, whether it's uh, with uh, the edge quickness, whether it's with a little bit of power. Most importantly, it's with the hands. And, and that's what with Aiden Hutchinson, that's what makes him so impressive with Latu. He is really lightning quick with his hands and every move has a purpose so he can break down the rhythm of blockers, get home. Um, I, I think he's in that top 10, 12 discussion. Jared Verse from Florida State, top 20, Chop Robinson from Penn State. Um, so I don't we don't have that elite, elite pass rusher in this class, but I think it's a pretty solid group. Uh, and you're talking about players that'll be drafted top 30, top 35. So what about all right? You scouted these quarterbacks that are on the Bears roster now, too. I mean, Justin Fields, Tyson yeah. Bajant. I think Dane introduced everybody to, to Tyson Bajant. I did my best. Story. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, look, I don't think Bajan's necessarily going to have a huge impact on 
whatever the Bears might be doing this offseason with possibly having two top five picks. Right. But this Justin Fields conversation is is as murky as it's always been, um, especially with him, you know, missing some time and being hurt. Just just what's your in, in general, what's your general thought of where the Bears are at right now with Justin Fields, with Tyson Bajan, and how it applies to what everything you just said about those top two quarterbacks. And look, first with Bajan, a uh, big fan of his. Um, it was right now, this time of the, uh, last year when I was, we, we had multiple phone calls to, I was working on a feature on him um, and, and his dad, Travis, and that whole dynamic and just where he came from. And, um, you know, it, it it's not like he came out of nowhere because Northwestern and Maryland and West Virginia, they all wanted him. And he decided to stay put at, you know, Division Two, sets the all time touchdown record, had a great year. Surprised he didn't go. He wasn't drafted. That was surprising. Uh, I thought he did enough at the Senior Bowl to show that hey, I'm yeah, I might be a little bit behind because I'm coming from the Division Two, but I'm not that much behind. You know, I've I've got an NFL skill set, and I think through um, two starts, he's shown that he at least belongs on an NFL roster. Um, he hasn't embarrassed himself, even if he hasn't you know ascended to a guy that you think can be a, a legit starter. But um, you know, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I know he. he is not going to factor in at all with the quarterback plans uh, this offseason. With Justin Fields, my whole thing with him coming out of college, which I really liked him. I thought he was a top 10 pick. The talent outweighed your concerns. But the current concerns were he's just too methodical with his process. Everything about him was methodical. He's thinking too much. Um, You know, it just wasn't, it just wasn't everything from his drops to play action to, uh, you know, just getting the ball out down the field. And it's still an issue today. And it's something that at this point, unless something drastic happens these you know next few uh, few weeks and the next month and a half, it, it's hard to see him staying with this franchise. Um, I think when you have a position, when you're in a position, especially if the Bears finish with the first or second pick, when you're in a position to reset the quarterback clock with a young, talented quarterback like the two guys that we just talked about, I think you have to do it because um, not, not only it's not just it, it, a, a topic of is Justin Fields good enough to, to keep around. It's OK. You have to worry about paying him pretty soon. You know, you have to really commit and you just can't commit to Justin Fields based off of what he's put on film up to this point where we are, you know, October 31st. So um, where we are right now, I, it, it, Justin, if you're the Bears, you want to see Justin Fields play well because he could be a trade chip after this year and get something for him. Uh, and then you know you draft the quarterback uh, of the future in in April, and you just turn the, the new chapter of this uh, organization. But uh, like I said, it's you know it's still October, so there is a chance something could change. But it's hard to see that happening. I always find it interesting when like you compare quarterback classes, like you know how, how would uh, Mitch Trubisky right. grade against like a Justin Herbert? How would you know Justin Fields grade against like a Trevor Lawrence? Like how how would you? Well, that's the same class, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like a Marcus yeah. Mariota or Jameis Winston, like where does Williams and may fit against some of these recent guys, including Justin Fields. It's really tough to, to do this because I think you, it's hard to eliminate what you've seen from them in the NFL and just right. focus on what we thought of them coming out. Um, you know, I will say, you know, I, the last 10 years um, that I've been doing this, the, the best quarterback prospect I've seen is Joe Burrow. Um, and that he was number one. I don't think I would put Caleb or Drake quite on that level. Um, number two, I, I think you know you're 
but I think the number two spot is where maybe you see Caleb or Drake uh, competing with a Trevor Lawrence. You know, who is that next highest graded quarterback uh, to come out the last 10 years? They're in that conversation. You know, I don't think it's as cut and dry as definitely number two or number three, but I think maybe just it's a tiered system. Burrow's on his own tier, um, you know, just the last seven, eight years. And then after that, I think Caleb and Drake are right there in that next tier with guys like Trevor Lawrence and some of these other quarterbacks. But you know what? Zach Wilson was a a lot of teams really like Zach Wilson. I like Zach Wilson. Um, you know, there's a lot of things about Zach Wilson that you got excited about. Um, and obviously that has not worked out nearly as well as everyone thought. Um, and really look at that whole quarterback class with Trey Lance and Fields and Mac Jones. Um, Trevor Lawrence could be the only one that gets a second contract with the team that drafted him. Um, so, you know, it, as high as we thought that quarterback class was with five quarterbacks in the top 15 picks, you know, revisionist history, you know, it's not going to look fondly on that group. So, you know, it'll be interesting with this group. Um, so much of this conversation is where do they end up? Um, you know, I always use the example of what if Mahomes went to the Bears and Trubisky went to the Chiefs with the coaching and the support staff and you know, just, I, I'm not saying that the roles would be reversed necessarily, but just, I would be fascinated to find out how those careers, the trajectory of those careers, which direction they would have gone. Um, you know, it's so, so much of this conversation is where these guys end up, the development that they're given and what they're able to do with uh, you know the coaching and, and, and the support staff. So, you know, I, I, it's hard to really compare these guys to past quarterbacks, but I think they're at least in that second tier of really, really good. Because I think the, the goal of drafting a quarterback high is not to find the next Mahomes. I think Bears fans, all NFL fans, have to eliminate that thought from their brain. The idea of drafting a quarterback early in the draft is, can we find a guy that's going to be top eight, top 12 in the NFL? Because that's all you need. You need a guy that's going to get you to the playoffs. He's going to help you compete for the division. He's going to get you to the postseason. Because then once you get in the postseason, it, it's just all about winning one game and advancing to the next. Trying to find the next Mahomes, not realistic. Can you find a quarterback that will be a top eight, top 10 quarterback in the NFL? And I think with Caleb and Drake, you have two guys that realistically could become those t- type of guys. Last thing I have for you. So what you just said about like how these guys, where they end up, how they get developed. When when we reached the point with Mitch Trubisky where it was like, all right, this is just not going to work. Right. I think we probably were all in the same conclusion that like, okay, this guy's probably going to stay in the league, but his days of being, you know, a long-term starter are definitely over. He's probably more of a backup. With Justin Fields, I just can't get there. Like, I just feel like there's still so much untapped talent and sometimes tap talent that we do see in some of these games where he just has, yeah. you know, like the two game stretch he just had where he threw eight touchdowns, and one interception. Do you, do you think if he ends up somewhere else, if he goes to Atlanta or something like that, like there's still a, he could still be salvaged as what you're talking about, like potentially, you know, on the verge of, of being a top 10 quarterback in this league. Oh, sure. I mean, I think uh, he, the talent talent's never been a question with him. You know, it's all about, uh, unlocking that talent. And sometimes, you know, a, a fresh start is what, what a player needs to, to help that a, a new system, new coaching. Um, and obviously I know the bears have had, you know, different coaches over his tenure, but, um, having just that change of scenery that, that sometimes that that's big, but we have to remember this is an intangible position. It's a mental position. Um, you know, talent is not the issue with Justin Fields. So 
if he goes to Atlanta, goes somewhere else and ends up winning the starting job and having, um, you know, playing as a one, as one of those guys, a top 12 quarterback, um, would it be the most shocking thing in the world? No, because we've seen these flashes. If, he, if Justin Fields could play the commander's defense uh, 17 times a, a year, he would look pretty good. I, I don't know what they were doing. The commander's defense were doing in that game. It was terrible. Uh, but again, he showed that he has talent to win in this league. But if you're the Bears and you have, if the Bears are picking, you know, 16th in this draft, it's a little bit different. But when you have a chance to reset the quarterback uh, clock with two guys that you think can be pretty special, that's what kind of alters the math here. You know, that that's what changes things. So it's not that Justin Fields is this terrible quarterback who has no shot um, or even, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, because I, I agree. I think he is above that where there's still hope for him. There's still a chance that he could be a viable NFL starter. But if you're the Bears, I, I think it is time to just turn the page. Start a new chapter. Yeah. Tough times in Chicago right now. Like trying to accept that, I think, for the fans. <laughs> I, I, I think to every- be optimistic, though. I'm right. I mean, you know, yeah. we have these picks. We've got these quarterbacks that have a, you know, they have cap space. I mean, there is as tough it is as it is as the season has gone for them and fields not playing up to expectations. Um, I, you know, I, I, I know they're tired of, you know, trust me, I live. Outside of Cleveland, people are tired of hearing about next year. I, I understand it. Trust me. But it, I think you have to have at least a little glimmer of hope about when you have two draft picks that could be in the top five, you're in a draft class. This isn't like two years ago where it's like, all right, Trevon Walker is going number one. This is a draft class that has quarterbacks at the top. And if you're not going to draft a quarterback or if you know take a quarterback and someone else, you're going to get a really good player with Marvin Harrison Jr., one of these tackles. So you have a chance to get better and have a new identity, especially on offense uh, pretty quickly here in April. So if I'm a bears fan, I'm kind of looking at this half glass full and saying, all right, it didn't work out. That's fine. Let's move forward. And the future's still looking pretty bright. Dane. Thank you, man. I feel like every time you're on this podcast, we're talking quarterbacks. <laughs> it's just, I, it's I know. Just, it, it, and look, I'm, I'm sure it'll, we'll do it a few more times before the yep. draft. And so there'll be more, some more quarterback talk, but uh It'll be interesting to see how these things change between now and the draft. I think fans are so up and down with these guys. I mean, Caleb was terrible, uh, you know, in my mentions after that Notre Dame game. And then Drake May lost to one and five Virginia. And even though he played a great game. um, So, you know, he's no longer any good. So the ebbs and flows, these quarterback conversations are are fascinating. So that'll continue between now and April. Yeah, we're used to that here in Chicago. Same thing happens every Sunday. With every week, maybe. The, the following week. <laughs> uh, Dane, we really appreciate it. And uh, I know we leaned on you a lot last year when the Bears had, had the number one pick. So if they end up with number one and two this year. That'll be fun. I, it'll be fun. <laughs> we're going to be best about. friends, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait, guys. Thanks, Dane. There he is. And uh, again, those rankings are coming out tomorrow. The updated rankings in The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johnson. Make sure you're listening to Prospect the Pros. Dane and uh, Nate Tice, both longtime friends of this podcast. We lean on both of them for their insights. And uh, it's awesome that they're doing that together now. I've been learning a lot just listening. That's how I keep up. A lot of that is like it's too hard to keep track of these. Other than the college football I watch live, like you really can't dive into the draft until the bear season's over. And just that's a great way to kind of sort of keep up on the week to week. You you lie. Every Bears fans, reader, media guy. Uh, we all start diving into the draft about now. <laughs> I may or may not have spent two hours last Friday starting to organize names. I went to South database. Bend to watch Caleb Williams like you three did weeks do ago. that. Yeah, you did do that. 
you killed Caleb Williams. You killed his draft stock. <laughs> the the uh, yeah, yeah, I did. As, as soon as he got around anybody remotely affiliated <laughs> with the Bears or around in and around Hal's Hall, he just he he just started being bad. Well, I, I knew it. He, he he walked in the stadium. He goes, "Oh no, that's Adam Johns from Oregon Johns." Right. Like that's yeah. the writer from the Athletic. No, <laughs> this is not going to go well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Um. Oh, man. Well, it's going to be an interesting day. It seems like you, you, me, and Dane are on the uh, in agreement that Jalen Johnson probably not moved by the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. Um. I just think you have to stop letting talent leave your building. And I know the Bears have drafted three cornerbacks the past two drafts in Orion Poles, but none of them are as good as Jalen Johnson quite yet. None of them we even know are long-term starters, let alone pro bowlers. I mean, Stevenson struggled the other night. He did. Well, like... Some of that is him being a rookie, but yeah, absolutely. Like teams are going after him an awful lot. Kyler Gordon's allowing like an insane amount of catches when he's targeted. Um, and even though he's not a corner, the other DB you drafted along with Kyler, Jaquan Brisker, man, this concussion stuff is serious and scary to be honest. And I do think that has like, like the Roquan Smith situation. I know I referenced it earlier and I do sense some of that frustration from Jalen Johnson but that was different still that that was the player negotiating for himself you did have a trade request like on family day there, there was a lot of different things to get through with that conversation um, but they had such an effect on the locker room and Jalen yeah. Johnson is is similar it really is and of course teams are going to be interested in him like I asked Scott last week for an article like he was number one like Darnell Mooney was number two, and I don't think it was even close. Like Jalen Johnson playing that premium position, 
knowing how pass happy the league is like, there's going to be a lot of interest in a player this young, this good at this point in his career. I'm trying to find the tweet Kevin had yesterday. I know it originally came from Mike Sando. Um, here it is. So Sando had his uh, pick six with some stats on Roquan Smith's impact in Baltimore. Did you see this? What do you got? So pre-Roquan Smith trade, so the 17 games before they traded for Roquan Smith, the full season, the Ravens were 8-9. and nine. They ranked 17th in points allowed, 27th in defensive EPA per play, expected points added per play. Their defensive success rate was 24th. 17 games now a full season since trading for Roquan Smith. They're 11 and 6. First in points per game allowed. First in defensive EPA per play. And third in defensive success rate. It's on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, football is the ultimate team sport. But I think, Adam, I think you and I could speak to this. Like any level of football, you get like a special player involved. And there is a ripple effect, right? Like you move guys in different situations, you know, players do different things better in different spots. And Roquan Smith is, is one of those players who has a ripple effect. Which gets back to what I was talking about earlier in this show, which is like, you can do all the analytics, you can stack positions. You can say this one's more important than the other. Like part of doing this job has to be who are the special players, right? And that's what bothered me the most about the Roquan Smith trade last year, especially just giving him away for a second round pick. And it was a fifth round pick too. But now I also want to be clear. I like Jalen Johnson a lot. I think Jalen Johnson is a good number one corner. And I think he's somebody the Bears should hold on to. I do not think Jalen Johnson is in the Roquan Smith. Special like, conversation category of like making that type of difference to a defense. How about, though, if you're the Eagles, Bills, or 49ers? Because to your point and to my point, like, yes, I think one player can make a difference, but the Ravens had some pieces there, right? Like the Bills have have had some injuries on defense. They have some pieces. The Eagles, we know they got a lot of pieces, a lot of good players. We know the 49ers have a lot of good pieces, a lot of good players. You bring in a Jalen Johnson. Like, do you make an offer? that Ryan Poles can't refuse if you're one of those contending teams. Like, again, I don't think, I'm going to say it again, 9.16 a.m., I don't think the Bears want to move Jalen Johnson. But if you're John Lynch, if you're Howie Roseman, do you make an offer that Ryan Poles can't refuse for his best cornerback? So what is that offer? Like, I I saw First Brown pick. Yeah, okay. Because I, I was going to say, like, I saw Brad Spielberger put out last night, like, it's, this is this would have to be a third round and more. And I'm like, third round? No. Second round or more. Like, even the second round, I'm not feeling great about that. Like, you drafted this guy in the second round. He's proven to be worth it. Why would you just... The only benefit to flipping him for another second round pick is that you just don't have to pay him. Like, Yeah. I think we got to be talking about a first round pick and I don't think those teams are going to do that. You think as much as those teams might be desperate for a corner, you think they'd give a first round pickup. And also the other thing, those teams that you just named, those are late first round picks. 
Those are all contenders. I would still potentially take one if there's probably a little more extra draft capital. Like Jalen Johnson what was the 50th pick a couple years ago. And I know that doesn't factor in the conversation here, but if you want to use it as an example. But, I mean, if you're the Buffalo Bills and you're kind of scrambling right now, that defense is not playing as as you hoped. You have a win-now window right now with your roster and that quarterback. Do you try to make a run at this by parting with a first-round pick? Maybe. I mean, when you bring up the cornerback market, like that I did does, earlier in the show, you know, it drives up the price on what you might have to pay Jalen Johnson, but it also drives up the price a little bit on what you can get for Jalen Johnson. Yes. Yeah, so here again, here are some of the names mentioned earlier: Stephen Nelson, Troy Hill, Legarius Sneed, Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, Jalen Johnson, right now. So if you're like Ryan Poles and Howie Roseman calls, like I would just go to like Pro Football Reference. You know, you want. Jalen Johnson. First of all, can I interject? If Howie Roseman calls me, I don't pick up. <laughs> or I pick up and I hang up. <laughs> Guy's just robbing everybody right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's good at his job. So according to Pro Football Reference, over six games this year, Jalen Johnson has been targeted 24 times. He's allowed only 12 completions. So that's 50%. 12 completions for 123 yards. It's 10.3 yards per completion. 5.1 yards per target, which is a career low. He's allowed one touchdown. I think that was Sunday night against the Chargers. But the passer rating, 44.3. 44.3. Yep. Uh, air yards in his direction, 72. Yak, 51. He has blitzed once this season. He's got two interceptions. I want to share a tweet from a guy who knows a little bit about team building, both as a player and now as a coach. Um, Jason McKee, Jason McKee tweeted this last night after the uh, report came out that Jalen Johnson had been granted permission to seek a trade. J-Mac said, if you want to build a team and have sustained su success, it starts with having alphas, culture builders, and tone setters in the locker room. Jalen Johnson is one of the few guys you have on the roster that fits that mold right now. Roquan Smith was that too. And, and I can tell you, you know, I don't think I'm oversharing here. You know, obviously I talk to J-Mac a lot because I coach with him. Like, I know, and I think he said this publicly too. Like, he, he doesn't see a lot of those guys in that locker room right now. Like, I think there's a lot of good guys. I think there's a lot of, like, positive dudes and they do get along but what he's talking about is different like the alphas like the guys that are really going to go out there and set the tone like that's what you need and you just keep trading away those guys yeah, well, well, well j-mac would know he was on a team yeah. with brian urlacher lance briggs charles tillman olin Krutz, tone setters yeah. True tone setter for all the quarterback concerns that team had, you know, those Lovey Smith years, they had some, some star power. And again, some alpha tone setters in that locker room. Um, I know we got to play the, the voicemails real soon, but can we go like quickly back to the conversation about like Justin Fields that, that Dane brought up? Yeah. Yeah. About, about, I, I just think it's a good point. And I had some, 
maybe talk it through a little bit here about how there's still the talent, and the potential there for him to be like a good starter elsewhere. Like, do you have a sense at this point where the, where you think that's probably the best situation? If you're, if like, if you're just, you know, I feel like we've talked about this before where, you know what? I do need a fresh start. Yeah. I do need a break from everything Chicago at this point. Like, I don't know. I'm getting that sense every now and then, you know, just trying to go through all the information that we have. But what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think there's a couple spots that if I were him, I'd be very interested in. I think Atlanta's the obvious one. Um, now, Atlanta might not be the perfect spot. I think we bring up Atlanta a lot because he's from that area and because they are a good team that needs and a Ryan quarterback. Pace is there. And Ryan Pace is there. Um, however, you know, if he's trying to like get away from some of the spotlight a little bit, and I'm not necessarily thinking he is, but going back home is going to carry, even though Atlanta is a much different market than Chicago, it is going to carry some extra pressure. Um, and the, and that's up, to, you know, he would know more about that than anybody. Cause he went to Georgia and then transferred out of Georgia and went to Ohio state, a place that he really didn't have any connection to. Right. Um, so yeah, I would look human nature, right? If I'm him, my mind's kind of wandering about that a little bit as I think about my future. Yeah. Sure. Especially today if Jalen Johnson, you know, at the very least is in trade conversations and rumors. Yeah. Um, well, we have a couple. Well, sorry, quickly. Like, if you just looked at the long list of quarterbacks, not not only who started on Sunday, but took snaps for teams after starters got hurt, mm-hmm. you know that there would be a market out there for uh, a Justin Fields. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, and I also want to be clear on one thing. I do think, like, if Justin went to Atlanta, he would he would have success. I still tend to think that what, like what Dane was talking about, like the holding on to the ball, being methodical. Like, I don't know. At some point we just, I think have to accept a little bit that that's not going to miraculously disappear. It might get better a little bit in the right situation with, with different coaching. The thing that has me still holds me back though, John's from him. Like, being like, oh, he's going to go Atlanta and just become a superstar is the health. Like, I just, the way he plays and the way he holds on to that ball is, I I just, like, if we're being honest, even before he got hurt, like, how many times this year were you holding your breath when he was taking a hit? Like, oh, is this the time he gets hurt? Well, even when he was running last year, and yeah. we, we were all just like, wow, this is amazing. I've never covered anything like this. You're still like, well, well then you saw it. Yeah, then in Atlanta. Then he, you then he saw in Atlanta. Yeah. And and again, in my opinion on that play, I maintain it. I I think he's you know, well, in that spot he was I don't think he was running as fast as he normally would be because he was already banged up. He was already talked about. Yeah. And I think otherwise he just gets out of bounds, doesn't take a hit there, and instead he was which which speaks to my point. Whether it's holding on to the ball or getting tired legs because of how much he has to run to be successful. I 
I think Justin Fields in a different place is a very good, exciting quarterback who also doesn't play 17 games a year. If that makes sense. Fair enough. So, all right, a couple super chats here before we get to your voicemails too. This is actually, I'm, I'm glad DLarso15 brought this up because it was something I was noticing in my mentions last night when this uh, Jalen Johnson thing came up. 499 super chat here. He says, I left Bulls fandom because of guard packs. I think it's time to do the same with the Bears. I can handle losing. I can't support inept ownership slash GM. And the reason why I want, want to bring this up is because, look, first of all, the Bears are always going to be the Bears. And it's always going to be different. It's always going to be harder to quit a football team. Sort of just how football's built. There's less games. They matter more. They're really ingrained into the culture of the city. Um, but like five years ago, if you had told me that I would be this apathetic and not even go to a single home White Sox game this entire year, I would have said, you're nuts. There's no way that would ever happen. There's no way at any point in my life I would ever do that. And that's where I'm at with my baseball team. And I do think that there's fans. I'm not saying that like the Bears are in danger of, you know, falling off a cliff here with their fan base. They're the Bears, and that's just never really going to happen. But I do sense this like fed upness, if that's a word or something I can say. It goes back to a few. We're a few years removed from that disastrous George McCaskey Ted Phillips press conference over Zoom. Remember how bad that was. And they still pushed it another year. And then you guys wrote everything you guys wrote in the athletic, which was great. The Chicago Tribune had their big story. Like, I, And now we're 20 months into this next regime. And I just don't know how much more this fan base can handle. I think to D. Larso's point, like the losing is one thing, but you're going to trade another one of the fan favorite players here, which again, I don't necessarily think is really going to happen today. But it's just like the fact that it's gotten here the fans are fed up, man. Can't you feel that? Yes. <laughs> I, I grew up in this town. But it's it's at it's at levels that Oh uh, it, levels that have surpassed just your typical frustrated fan. Which brings me back to a name that hasn't come up on this podcast almost an hour into it. And that's Kevin Warren. Like how is he? I would be fascinated to hear even what his input is on this today. Because we always talk about like ownership meddling, but these are sort of the moments where sometimes you actually do need to have somebody up top be like, I don't know if we can really handle losing this player right now. Because this is headed down kind of a dark road here, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. Well, I, I you know what? I actually think Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus themselves recognize that. Again, I don't think they want to trade him, but did you see Kevin Warren's deep sigh or what did he do? Did you see that on camera? Oh, yeah. Captured? Yeah. What do you think he was thinking at that moment? Um, I think he was like, man, it's going to be really hard to build a stadium like this in Chicago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I uh, always think that literally walking that building like, ho like, holy crap, like, sorry, yeah, our, not our, happening. It's not, not happening. <laughs> even in even U.S. Bank Stadium seems like a pipe dream. Sometimes. Yeah, not happening. Not um, happening. No, I, I, you know, I think 
I'd like to think it's a realization of how much work there is to do. Yeah. And, and, and that applies to a lot of different levels of the organization, in my opinion. I, you know, I think like, because there's a reason why they're here, like why this franchise is here. And there are layers and layers and oh, layers to so it. So many. And I think that's what frustrates me, even like as a reporter. As you know, someone who has to critique and have opinions on this team is just the it's the endless change. Right. And I get it. Some changes are exciting, but like even earlier this year, like you could see it. Like, oh, here comes more change. And it's just a level of how far and, and, and where, right? I think right. that's where we're at with this team. And that's, I think eventually, that's just what the Bears are, right? They're just caught in this endless <laughs> cycle of of change. And we have all the the, the gifts to, to have fun with this. But, I mean, since we've covered this team, I, I had... You're watching Justin Herbert like dissect the Bears defense, and I and I go like, what what's what's been the record of this team since I started covering it? And I and I my math might be off one or two right now, but it's like 76 and like 117 with two playoff appearances and two playoff losses. That's what we've covered since 2012, Adam. So we've covered. And and the weird thing is, it actually feels worse than that. Like I don't remember 76 wins. Um. And all right, one more super chat. Crazy Ace TV. What are the Bears thinking? Yeah, that applies a lot. I think. Uh, we also have your voicemails from Sunday's game. Uh woo! These should be fun. Hit them. Bears Chargers <laughs> never really into the game from start to finish, so we're not even really going to have like the tease at the beginning. I don't think. Uh, maybe other than Brightside Bob. Jumping in pregame, but uh, here you go. Your voicemails from that loss to the Chargers. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Foggy Cat, Transit Pat, Bob Dabrowski here calling in from San Diego. Uh, I, I did not know that the Chargers were in L.A. And, well, here we are, but I'm walking in the airport and... Uh, the Bears are, in fact, playing another football game. This game also has offense, and there's going to be throws. Tyson Bajan's going to do stuff. Uh, the team will be doing stuff, and um, then they're going to probably do it again next week. Let's go Bears. Uh, DJ Moore, let's see 100 yards here. Go Bears. Get a W. Set the stage for Justin Fields to come back. Let's go Bears. Hey, okay, John. It's the second quarter. Why the f*** do I watch this game? You're telling me I'm coming out here, so far it's a great team, but what the f*** am I watching right now? God f***ing damn it. Take Bailey Stones off this team now! These refs are killing me, man. That's the second touchdown I'm taking off the board for us. Mooney should have had one on the first play of the game, and now Cole had that, that one that, that should have won it. Come on, guys. Bayless Jones. How? I, I, how? 
How does he play? How does he suit up? I just want to know, can we get Ibrafus out, please? Get someone in there that can train people how to tackle. man. Hey, it's John from Chicago. Um, on your last show, or you told us just to enjoy this, you know? And so my question is, what the f*** is there to enjoy about this f***ing shit team? Everything f***ing sucks. God f***ing damn it. Hey, guys. They need to move the S from the hits principle to the beginning because this defense has been shit. The only way the Chicago Bears will ever be relevant in our lifetimes is if Kevin Warren can do literally anything right. Let's hope so. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man here. My dad usually lets me stay up on night games, but at this point, I'm just going to go to bed. Bear down! Foreman runs for, what, 800 yards last week? What, what are we doing? What is this? Hey, how are you doing? I'm at the f***ing game, and I cannot f***ing believe I came on this f***ing team. What the f*** is going on? I'd rather f***ing gouge my ass out, sit at home, drink a f***ing 30 pack of beer, f***ing $4. This is f***ing terrible. Why do I do this to myself? I'm not even from Chicago. Kevin Warren save us. I love Justin Fields. I love Tyson Bajan. Neither of them are starting caliber NFL quarterbacks. Back to the drawing board this April. I'm sorry, boys, but Tyson Beja is not the guy. See you next week, Justin. I'm so glad I, threw, I flew across the country to be surrounded by all 10 Chargers fans and losing this f***ing game because this f***ing team sucks. Hey, Hogan Johns, Nick down here in Charlotte. Well, unfortunately, the Panthers got that first win today, but hopefully that stays the top five pick because sure does seem like ours will. Oh, well. Fair enough. Calling in from SoFi. At least we don't have a QB controversy, right? Crap, 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 crap. We're crap. We're really crap. We are the crappy bunch of craps that ever crap. We're crap. We're really crap. Whoever thought that we could be so friggin' crap. Thank God. Finally... Maybe people can stop boosting up this terrible team after one good win against a bad team last week. Embrace the tank, guys. This team is just devoid of talent. And you know what fixes talent? Top picks. Bear down for next year. Got to hit those picks, though. Like, can't hit the uh, bleep button. (laughs) Yeah. He a lot. Now, one voicemail was like the scene in Happy Gilmore when he loses his mind on the green and just every word is bleeped out <laughs> on the broadcast. Um, and by the way, we the reason we told you to enjoy it last week is because we knew what was coming. And we both picked the Chargers to win. I didn't think it would look like that, but we did not. Um, yep. The Bears bared again. Uh, there's a tweet we should probably talk about before we get out of here. We do need to get out of here, though. Um, Brad Biggs tweeting just a few minutes ago. He is hearing the Bears could be close to adding a defensive end via the trade market. Nothing set yet, but there are definitely wheels in motion. There's been rumors about Chase Young over the weekend. That would seem like a lot of rumblings for the past few days about a lot of defensive end, potentially. But go on. I mean... They need like this goes back to like the Roquan Smith conversation we were just having. Like they need a real defensive end, like a, like a like 
No, no, no. I'm being <laughs> not, not some like, made up one. I, I, no, I, I but know like what you're talking about. Yeah, th- th- there's something wrong here when Unique Ngakwe can have eight sacks wherever he goes. Demarcus Walker had how many sacks last year? Didn't he have eight or whatever? Career high seven and a half or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and they come here and nothing happens. The Bears have 10 sacks this season. 10. Count them 10. I believe you have one of those. I do. I do. Um, dead last in the league, the Houston Texans have 15. So it's five more than the Bears. Like, and here's what makes it really bad. Adam Hogue. Adam Hogue. Full name reference here. Um, five of those sacks for the Bears. Five. So half of their 10 came against Sam Howell, the most sacked quarterback in the league. So let's just say the Bears have five sacks this season. That's unbelievable. That's, I mean, it, well, it just shows you that in seven of their games, they've basically done nothing. <laughs> Correct. So it's, not good. Yeah. Not um, good. What if I said hypothetically that in, in, I don't know, you're getting Chase Young, but Jalen Johnson heads back the other way in the trade. It's a fun conversation, I guess. Are you comfortable with Chase Young's health? Like no. he's a real defensive end, but are you comfortable with his medical situation? No. No, I'm not. That's a and to me that's just trading something you know for something you don't necessarily know. I think teams maybe feel the same way about Jalen Johnson, by the way. Because he hasn't played a full season? He's had that, and then the shoulders were a concern coming out of college, too. Josh Lucas mentioned that with us on our show, like going back to August when we were talking about Jalen Johnson. I think it's a little overblown. I think he's proven that that's not necessarily the problem, but I don't know. It'll be an interesting day. Um, And we'll have you covered. Regardless of what happens here, of course, on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Uh, we have a show coming up at noon on CHGO. Cole Komet is going to be in studio with us live. So brings up a possibility of a trade happening while a bear is on the show with us. Could be interesting. Um, Should be. Uh, yeah. And um, we are also planning on if a big move is made, we're in formation to have uh trade deadline show on CHGO at 3 o'clock as well. And of course, if the move is made, we'll have you covered here on Hogan Johns at Emergency. some point. Yeah. It is Halloween night though. <laughs> but it's snowing and it's like 30-something degrees outside, so uh, trick-or-treating could be short. Snow, I could see outside this window. Like it's stuck. Like there's like a like at least a third of an inch of snow on the ground right now. Up there already yeah. in the northern suburbs? It's not that much here in the city but yeah it was 75 and sunny in southern california just a couple days ago it was that was that te- it was he- that was the temperature here a week ago yes so i don't know what mother nature has against kids trick-or-treating in chicago today but come on I mean, yeah i was in shorts last week at practice yesterday I had 18 layers on nuts all right. Um, anyway, we'll keep you posted on everything. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Follow our show account at Hogue and Johns. And um, read the athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can find me on CHGO, all CHGO.com and my newsletter. If you are a diehard, go check it out. Uh, please hit 
the like button on this show. Please hit subscribe. If you are not already a subscriber, please send the link off to a Bears fan you know. Tell them to subscribe. Help us grow this channel. Help us grow the show. Same thing applies to the podcast. Rate and review it. Please leave us a five-star review. And, uh, you know, comment as necessary wherever you listen to your podcast. We appreciate you very, very much. Could be a busy day. Could be a quiet day. It's Halloween regardless. Hopefully everybody has a safe, happy, enjoyable Halloween. We'll talk to you at some point, if not before Thursday's preview episode for this game coming up this weekend. Talk to you then. Happy Halloween. Nothing's off the table. Nothing is on the table right now.